Foster Podcast. My name is Shasta Miller, and I am a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. I am here with my two lovely co-hosts, and they are Jessica Hudstep, supervisor with the Southeast Region Resource Unit. And I'm Ashton Kieber. I am the communications professional for Children's Division. Today we have a awesome guest with us. Um, they are currently a foster parent in the Missouri Children's Division. Um, Abby, would you mind to introduce yourself and tell us how long you've been fostering? Sure. My name is Abby Pancoast. I, we, my husband and I have been uh, fostering for three years this month. Um, yeah, we currently have four children in our home. Wow. Uh, well, I was just wondering, so you have four currently? Do you like have an S? We have four. What's that? Uh, you have four currently, you said? Uh, three are placement, and then the youngest is our biological. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So how yeah. many estimate-wise have you had in your home in these three years? Um, oh, my. <laughs> I have figured that out before. It has honestly it's not been as many, yeah, as some people. I want to say 11. I counted okay. up before, just not recently, and I think it's been 11. Okay. okay. That's still a good amount. You can bring a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like they've all been fairly longer uh, term placements. Gotcha. So that's probably one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Abby, uh, we're really curious on how did you learn about fostering and what started this crazy journey that you and your husband are on? Um, yeah. So how I learned about it, I don't really know exactly. I, I've known different people who have done foster care. Um, I think um, kind of stemming back to my early teen years is where I kind of got the interest or passion, I guess, for um, taking care of and loving kids that were not necessarily my own. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Just through some experience, like my mom, you know, would take care of children that were not her own. She was not a, you know, foster parent, but just like for friends who needed somebody during a hard time, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, So I would say that that really kind of impacted me to give me the heart for it. And then, um, my husband and I were married for how long before we started? So I guess we've been doing it for three years and we've been married for 10, so seven years. <laughs> we were married for seven yeah. years. And then uh, when we actually kind of took the plunge and did it, um, and we up to that point had not um, been able to have children of our own, but we both really love kids. So yeah. um, we had taken care of three children, not through foster care, but just for a friend um, for 10 months. We did that. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I would say that was really where we started, like, thinking, like, let's do, maybe we should do foster care. Um, we were really interested in it, but it's a big thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, it's not really, I feel like you know people who do foster care, but you don't really know a lot about it, if that right. makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. Which is why this is a great podcast, you know, to be able to learn about it. <laughs> Thank you for the shameless um, plug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um Anyway, so after those kids, you know, they went home, and I guess probably that was in 2019. So then 2020 is when we became licensed. Um, and that was kind of the year where I think I, I'm more kind of the one, um, more spontaneous, maybe more like, let's just do this. And my husband's more like, eh, let's really think about this. So <laughs> I finally was just kind of like, let's just do it. Like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, you find it, figure it out, find the information. And so I did. I just went online and... <laughs> found the information and made the call and we um, started the process. And of course that was right in 2020. So that was a whole interesting uh, 
way to start. Yeah, I bet. Right. (laughs) How was, so when you started, how was the training process for you guys? So the very first training that we did um, was in person, and um, that was the only in-person training that we've done because then, you know, COVID started, and so then everything's been virtual since then. Um, And so we did the, I think they were just starting, is it strong? I always forget. I think that's what it's called now, strong training, yeah. So we were like some of the first ones, I think, um, that they were kind of doing the training on, so. Yeah, I remember you. Oh, do you? Yes, I do. Um, that, you know, we actually have, um, we talked to another foster parent who really talked about um, how valuable those in-person um, experiences were with other foster parents. Um, Abby, what's your th- thoughts on that? I just, you mentioned you had one in-person. Um, is it valuable to meet other foster parents and pick their brain? And if it is valuable, um, well, why? Your opinion on it. Yeah, um, I think that it can definitely be valuable. Um, I think, yeah, it kind of depends. I, I'm probably a lot more outgoing now than I was then, so you can get as much value out, out of it as you choose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were both kind of more reserved. My husband's probably more reserved for me. He always makes me usually do the introducing <laughs> and you know, all that stuff. So um, it you know, I don't know. Trainings are an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I think I think that yeah, if you're if you're willing to be kind of outgoing and kind of put yourself out there, I think for sure it can be very valuable to um, meet other you know meet other foster parents. And for sure, I think it's very important to know other foster parents. However, yeah. you get to know them, yeah. you know, whether which that be through be, training or through something else. Yeah, absolutely. Which could be through like social media. Communication, phone right. communication. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, you've said you currently have three um, kiddos in your home right now, right? Um, right. Is there, are they working on reunifying? What's that look like? Um, no. Okay. Uh, currently the goal is um, adoption. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously that is a first for us. So we're very new to this part of the process. Okay. So, so the adoption piece is new for you. Um, right. Abby, can you talk about, um, your experience with working, um, with some biological families, um, with the goal of reunification? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the more you can work with the family, that's, that's really kind of the one of the big ideas I think with a foster parent is to kind of ideally be that person that the biological parents can have as a support person in their life after the case is closed. Absolutely. It doesn't always work out mm-hmm. um, for different reasons. And honestly, I, unfortunately I really wish it was different. I have never had an experience where after the case is closed, um, we were able to stay in communication, which I do understand because mm-hmm. that's, generally a very unhappy, um, unpleasant chapter of the parents' lives, and they probably would rather just forget about it. So I do understand that. Um, And then, you know, things can just happen throughout the case and just make it to where that's not really going to happen. But I think if that is at all possible, um, I think that's really good because most of these parents, um, honestly, that's one of the big problems is they don't really have any good supports in their life, and that's kind of why they can find themselves in this 
place. Yeah. So, Abby, you you mentioned that um, you've you haven't had that experience where you've kind of stayed connected once the kids have returned home. Um, but nonetheless, right, typically, and I'm sure you can speak to this better than I can, but most people enter into being a foster parent. They have the heart, right? They want to help kids with that one. They want to love the kids that are placed in their home. So Mm -hmm. how do you deal with, um, kind of that attachment that you get to a kiddo and, you know, kind of the, um, grief that you might Mm -hmm. experience when the kid does leave your home? Like, how do you deal with that individually? Yeah. So for me, um, I, that's one of the the biggest things kind of, I think that's one of the biggest things for people who are looking into foster care or even just observing. I pretty much everybody who finds out we're foster, they say, Oh, I could never do that. I would get too attached. I couldn't let them go. Yeah. Um, so that's a really big thing for people. Um, so for me personally, I, um, when people will say that, I'll just, I would now I'm, I'm different now, but I would just be like, Oh, no, whatever. I would just kind of avoid that. Like I didn't want to come across as that it was hard for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have finally gotten to the place where I can admit that it is very hard and yeah. um, it's okay. Cause we're human and we should love these kids mm-hmm. and they need us to love them. They need us to be attached. I, I think. Um, You're so right. And so Abby. the best example of that, and I'll be careful of course, um, you know what I say, but um, we had a child for a year and I definitely really was attached to this child. Um, but the goal of course was reunification. We were supportive of that. Um, we really, you know, did our best to work with that and everything and he was reunified. So that's good. Um, and then we actually got the placement we have now the same day that he left. So, um, Dealing with that, I wouldn't deal with it at first. Um, people would try to be like, oh, are you okay? Are you having a hard time? And I'm nope, it's fine. This is the way it's supposed to be. And I just really would not deal with it. And then, you know, on my phone, how it likes to bring up pictures like this day, however oh, long no. ago, it would bring up these pictures. And I would just like swipe them away. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't deal with it. Um, and then I finally, you know, got to the place where I, you know, I just realized that it was okay to miss the kid. It was okay to... Um, to have a hard time with that, you know, yeah. you, you like, like I said, you you have to love these kids. They need that, and they deserve that. Yep. And I think even the parents want you, for the most part, they want you to love your their kids. They, they want you to, you know. And so, um, and I, I guess. Go ahead. I can Sorry. tell you're having a hard time, and I just want to thank you for being so vulnerable right now and speaking with that. Because it is hard. It is hard, Abby. And I think, you know, I'm glad you shared that it was something you kind of avoided. And I think I'm I'm just thinking about myself personally. Like I tend to avoid, avoid things like that as well. Like when I'm hurting, um, but you, it sounds like you've come to a place where, you know what, it is okay. I mean, you had that kiddo in your home for a year. That is a long time. And that's a lot of time and a lot of memories and, and it's, yeah. it's okay. It's okay to miss them. But I right. think, um, it sounds like you, but you understand the, the, the goal, right? You understand, right. The oh, big, yeah. you understand the big picture 
And, and I wouldn't want it any different. And I will say, kind of before I got to that point where I realized, like, it's okay for me to miss him. It's okay for this to be hard. I would, one thing that helped me so much was to realize, okay, so if this, if this kid doesn't go home, somebody's going to be hurting, either me mm-hmm. or that biological parent. Someone's going to be hurting. Absolutely. Why right. would I, why would I want, I mean, this is their kid. Why, I don't want them to hurt any more than I want to hurt. So right. kind of just, just putting yourself in their shoes. I try to do that a lot, that put myself perfect. in the parent's shoe. Yeah, that's perfect, Abby. A great way to look at it, putting yourself in the biological parent's shoes, but also the kid's shoes, right? Right. Because that's yeah. their biological family forever, no matter if they get adopted or not. And that yeah. that brings me to my curious question, and uh, not trying to put you on the spot, you know, for the three kids in your home, but... What's that looking like for adoption for those three kids? Like, is there a family picked or are they moving towards that? Um, so well, the, the goal would be for us to be able to adopt them. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Abby. Yeah. It, you know, I find adoption to be very um, bittersweet, you know, yes. it, yeah, yeah it, it's, you kind of have to work through the, the, I guess the grief of the parents, you know, yeah. they're not not being able to reunify. And and the kids, too, you know, because I'll think sometimes about the different ones and just think, like, it can break my heart sometimes thinking, like, he he's not even going to remember them, you know, yeah. the little ones. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even going to remember. So you just kind of have to kind of work through those hard emotions. And yet there is that, you know, we love them. And so there is that excitement, too, of, you know, being able to keep them forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, kind of a, like I said, big yeah. You thought about, Abby, how you're going to handle, because um, I don't remember the age of the children in your home, but how are you going to talk to them about adoption throughout their lifetime? Yeah. Um, so I think the oldest, uh, he for sure will, does and will remember. Um, so I think just being really open and honest, mm-hmm. um, always being respectful about parents, never putting them down in front of the kids. Um, even regardless of what they've done, um, I think it's really important to, you can at the very least say, you know, I know your mom loves you. I know your mom misses you. You don't, if there are negative things, things that you don't, you can't condone, just, you can kind of leave those things aside, um, and find something positive to say. So I think keeping it really positive. Um, and then for the ones that don't probably really remember, Honestly, I don't really have a great answer. I mean, always for sure being very open and honest about it, you know, how they came to us and, you know, answering questions that are age appropriate, you know, that kind of thing. And I, Abby, I don't think open and honest, you're hitting it, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like you can't lose if you're open and honest, you know, even if it's, if it's hurtful, right. Um, Right. Because it very well may be. Um, But honesty is, is the key. And I think they'll appreciate that as they get older. Um, I am, as you, as you're talking about this, um, and I realize this is adoptions very new for you. Um, is there any other biological, like extended family that the kiddos are connected to, or that maybe you have a connection with? What's that look like? Yeah. Um, yes and no. So there is, um, some that I have a connection with. They do not, yet um but hopefully that is something that we can work on once the adoption is complete Absolutely. that's kind of my idea yeah i'd love to hear that 
Yeah, well, and that yeah. kind of brings me to a question that I had. You know, we've kind of talked in other podcasts about kids who were adopted and then for whatever reason, mom and dad were able to pull it together um, after the, the termination of parental rights had happened and after the adoption was complete. And um, some of the some of the other foster parents we've talked about that have gone through this process say, you know, we were able to keep them in contact with mom and dad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, I don't know who this question maybe is for, but yeah. just like, how do, as, as the, do we help with that in any way? What, how does, how often does that happen? And like, oh man, I just like, what, what do you do? So mm-hmm. I think Abby could probably answer this better than children's division, because I think once, once adoption occurs, right. We're for the most part, the other most than, part. other than like subsidy, um, which is a, which is a, you can explain subsidy. Subsidy is a contract uh, for legal guardianship and or adoption um, that's contracted where we pay maintenance towards the guardian, whoever that is. We pay daycare up to the age of 13. We pay legal fees for the attorney for the adoption piece. Um, mm-hmm. and I can't remember if there's one more piece, but so, there's other added things that we can add on to it, but it's a support for that guardian to care for that child, whatever their needs that they may have. Yeah. And, um, so I think other than that, right, like children's vision is kind of out, out at that point, like mm-hmm. out yeah. of, out of <laughs> at least the kid's life for lack of better words. Right. Um, so right. really, I think that's a good question for Abby. Abby. Um, and Abby, you would mention that even once adoption occurs, you are going to work on some of those extended family connections. And um, right. so how do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, honestly, how do you feel about, um, cause there's risk to that. Right. Um, right. So I just want to hear from you on that. Yeah. Um, so I think that in that situation, you'd have to be a very confident parent because yeah. I think it'd be really easy to feel insecure. Yep. Um, so I think that I just, I, I always have to put myself in other people's shoes. How, what would I want? Mm-hmm. I would yeah. want to know, I think I would want to know um, my biological parents, regardless of if I yeah. love my adoptive parents, you know. Absolutely. Um, I'm just a curious person and I want to know stuff and not all kids are that way. Some kids could take it or leave it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it really would, you would need to know your kid. You would need to know maybe their maturity level, what they can handle emotionally. Um, and I mean, if the parents were really in a good place, I think it would definitely be a conversation um, to have with your kids and to see, I think it would be up to the kids and you as the adoptive parent um, at that yeah. point. Yep. Yeah, I think that would be so hard as a parent. Like, because I'm, I'm like, yeah. I don't want my kid calling anybody else mom, you know, yeah. as right. a biological yeah. parent. But then when it all happens the way it does as the adoptive mm-hmm. parent, then I'm thinking in those shoes, I don't want my kid calling somebody else mom, whether they're mom or not. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Definitely. Yeah. But I've talked to a lot of youth and um, whether they're youth that got adopted or they're adults now that got adopted and, they're always curious yep, to absolutely. know mm-hmm. to know the knowledge, especially for just their culture, their background, their medical issues, mm-hmm. things like that. But mm-hmm. and some don't um, 
go forth and contact them. Some just want the knowledge. Yeah, they yeah. just want to know. Yeah. And then maybe later. Yeah, it's just interesting. Like, you keep talking about putting yourself in other people's shoes. Like, there's so many different perspectives on this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, it's almost mm-hmm. hard to, like, wrap your head around, yeah. you know, until you're in that situation what you could do. I do think Abby, for those listeners who are curious about, um, entering, you know, the foster care and being a foster parent, I think her advice is really good. Um, you gotta be kind of a confident parent and I think confidence can be learned, right? It can be coached. It can be learned. Um, cause Abby, I'm sure, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you weren't confident when you first started this journey, right? It no, took it took no. time, right? No, exactly. <laughs> it took time sure. and experience. And so now here you are. Um, but I think the second most important piece of your advice is to stay curious. To stay yes. curious about the kiddos that are legally yours now and to stay curious about their family because Jessica's right. Um, they're always gonna be curious and they all they're gonna have mm-hmm. questions and uh, I think you, again, to be honest and transparent and um, keeping it real, keeping it real. And, right. and just, I think it's good, 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 good advice. And just walking a mile in their shoes, yeah. you know, in the other person's shoes, uh, Abby, that, that just is sticking in my mind. Yep. Just walking yeah. in their shoes. Yeah. So um, I, I do have this question, but you may... Um, May or may not be able to answer it, but so Abby, with your placements that you've had, um, I'm not sure if you've had any placements, um, particularly around the holidays. Um, but we hear that the holidays can be a little a little crazy when you're dealing with foster kids in the system and all the things that go into the holidays um, for yourself personally, but what the system has has to bring to. Um, mm-hmm. So if you've if you've had to kind of navigate around any holidays and what that looks like and any advice you could give to future foster families. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have definitely had kids through holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all that. Um, so um, I think, again, being very understanding of parents, you know, if you're currently working through to a reunification, being really understanding of parents, it's a really um, lonely time for them. Yeah. Right. Um, Again, as we've already kind of said, they don't often have support uh, or good supports in their life. So how many of them are spending Christmas alone? Yeah. Um, I know with one placement, we um, worked it out so that they could, um, like, have a video chat with their parents on Christmas Day, and that meant a lot. Um, You know, the kids were able to show the different Christmas gifts they got, and the parents, I think, felt like, um, I think she told me, like, it kind of made them feel like they – we're able to share a little bit of Christmas with our kids. So if you can do something like that, I, and I know some people might feel like, Oh, well, Christmas is, you know, for family and I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to go yeah. you know, step away from my family, but it is, you know, it is, that is true. But I feel like you can make kind of allowances when you're in this life of foster care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really important to, to do that. And um, yeah, to let the parents be a part of that um, for the kids. I think, I something we've done um, is letting them go to Dollar Tree and pick out gifts for their parents, and they oh. will pick out some hilarious gifts. <laughs> it is, it, it's a lot of fun. It's fun for the kids. It's fun for the parents. Yeah. And it's just it kind of gives them that experience. They can exchange gifts at you know the visit before or after Christmas, whichever it is. Um, 
And then, yeah, uh, Children's Division does a really good job of taking care of foster kids over that's, Christmas. They, that's what I was going to ask. That's, a good, that's what I was going to ask. Yes. Like, what resources in your area for like Christmas or holidays? What resources that helps the kids? Well, they. I don't know if this is different, like from the county that the children are in or whatever. I don't know how exactly, but every kid we've had, they buy them so many gifts. Yeah. It's like wow, we have taken pictures, I think, every year. There have been so many gifts. So it's fun for the kids, but it is crazy. Um, they do have, we have never done any of these kind of things, but they do have, like, I think, different, like, Christmas parties for Aww. foster kids. Um, hey. Yeah, things like that. We've, we've not done that. Um, sometimes, like, currently the kids we have are pretty wild and crazy in different <laughs> situations. <laughs> so we kind of pick and choose where we go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they do. They definitely have that kind of stuff for kids um, around the holidays. So, Have you ever had a kiddo in your home that's had no contact with the parents around Christmas or other holidays, and how have you handled that with them? Um, yeah, I have had um, mm. where I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I have. So for some kids, um, they didn't necessarily really realize because of age. Um, and then... For another child, uh, he had contact with one parent but not the other. And so I don't know if maybe that kind of helped a little bit. So I've never had it, I don't, that I can think of off the top of my head, I've never had it where uh, I had a kid just having a super hard time over the holidays because they don't get to have any contact. Um, It's real. It it does happen, which is... For sure. It breaks our hearts. Well, and to me, as I'm sitting here um, in about the big picture and, and being a manager with Children's Division, I'm thinking about, you know, we probably need to really have these conversations with our foster families because Christmas mm-hmm. is a, especially Christmas, I'm thinking of Thanksgiving and Christmas, but especially mm-hmm. Christmas, it is, your emotions are high. And, oh, yeah. And when you're a foster kiddo and you're living in a home that's not your biological family, you're not, not your biological parents. Um, it can be, it can add trauma and they're already exposed to trauma, right? But it can add trauma. There's feelings of grief. There's feelings of mm-hmm. loss. And at, as an agency, yeah. are we doing, we can probably do a better we job can always of do better educating ex- about that. And especially and- looking at that child, the child's culture, because not all cultures mm-hmm. even right. celebrate Absolutely. Christmas and different things like that, like really honing in and being mindful of that yeah well and like you know that just made me think what about the kids who are maybe pulled the week before christmas look i you know what i mean like, I, I was an investigator with children's division yeah. and i removed three children on the night of christmas oh. and it was it's very traumatic it was very traumatic to me in fact that i was thinking about that when Ab- abby was talking um, and I ran out and obviously bought them Christmas presents um, because I didn't want them to not be without and they were already without yeah. and um, it was very impactful to those kids and it was very impactful to me um, and I, so I think about that kind of stuff how did you handle yeah. that Shasta like on yeah. Christmas day on I mean honestly or how did you help the children it was it was really hard it was in the middle of the night it was like 3 a.m um of course the kiddos at that moment were really tired. And once I got them to placement, the the foster family was extraordinary. Um, 
and probably a lot like Abby because oh. um, it sounds like <laughs> Abby and her husband are extraordinary, but they were really great. And, but of course they weren't prepared, right? Well, like they yeah. didn't have presents for these kids. Like, and it was actually on Christmas Eve, not on Christmas. It was the Eve of Christmas. So what do kids do on Christmas morning? Yeah. They wake up. And they expect yeah. to have presents. And oh my gosh. if 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 I had the opportunity in that moment to um, get with the parents, I would have. But yeah. the parents were dated. They were mm. out of. They were not mentally with it, yeah. and so I couldn't do that. And so once I dropped them off with the foster home, um, I left and went to Walmart and bought a bunch cry. of presents because I didn't want that to happen. And then I. And then, of course, I brought them back to the foster home, and the foster home spent all night mm-hmm. wrapping them. And um, mm-hmm. and I heard the next day when they got to open, they were very happy. And so happy as they could be. Right. And they were waking up right. in a stranger's home. with On Christmas. But they had presents at least, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you did your part to help bring cheer to them on the day after their worst day. Like yeah. you. Yeah. It's, you know, but I think – it's challenging around the holidays, right? I think we mm-hmm. track there, but um, I think holidays are, are tough for kiddos. I think they're tough for uh, biological parents. Abby, you mentioned that there's some biological parents and family that are alone. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, how can we as not only an agency, but how can our foster parents really kind of help ease that trauma? Yeah. Um, and that's something I think that we can always look at and work on. Oh, yeah. Um. So, Abby, I'm going to ask you a, a a question, okay? And I want you to, if you can, please answer it very honestly and transparently, okay? okay. So, Abby, I am I'm your cousin, okay? I'm your cousin, and I've seen kind of your fostering journey, and I come to you and I say, you know what, Abby, I. I'm really thinking about wanting to be a foster parent. Um, but, you know, I've seen how chaos, how chaotic it can be. Um, and I'm really worried that I'm going to really feel really sad whenever the kids have to leave my home. Um, what would, what advice would you give me? Okay. Well, um, yeah, we kind of talked about that fear of, you know, not how do you handle it when the kid goes home. Um, so as far as that, I think, yeah, it's going to be hard, but you just do it and you get through it. I mean, that's kind of what I've found with pretty much everything. You know, when you kind of feel like, okay, I can't do this for one minute more. Mm -hmm. Well, you do it for one minute more, you know, you just do it. Um, as far as getting started, I think so, you know, if you are, Someone who wants to do it, um, that's a big step right there Mm because not everybody wants to do it. Right, right. Um, So I think if you want to do it but you're scared, I think there's a few different things that you could do. Um, I think, for one thing, kind of immersing yourself in the foster community. Um, So getting to know a foster family, which you're my cousin and you know me, so you already have that one down. But, um, you know, so if you do, you know, you know a, a foster family, I think getting to know them a little more than just like acquaintance. Like, so how can you support them? How can you really kind of get a look into their lives and what goes on so that you can kind of know for yourself, is this something that I really want to or can take on? Um, 
I think another good thing, you know, that people could do is start out as just respite or emergency placement only. So you're not necessarily committing to a long-term placement where you're kind of doing all the things, um, but you are getting, you're getting kind of dipping your toe in rather than just jumping in. Um, you're, you're getting a little bit of experience. You're kind of seeing what it's really like without having those, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think those, those things would be helpful. Um, and then of course, you know, listen to this podcast, (laughs) go to go online. Like you, Mm -hmm. you can find, you can find lots of, you know, information out there that will help you. If you're the type that kind of feels like you need a lot of information before you make a decision. Yeah. So Abby, I, that's something that, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of foster parents on this, on these podcasts and you said something that I haven't heard yet. And when I've asked this question, cause I've asked it to almost every single one. And you said finding a foster family, like dipping into the foster family community. That mm-hmm. is, I think some of the, that's the best advice for people who mm-hmm. are listening to this and are interested in fostering. And, you know, I, as my, my wheels are turning because maybe we could do like in children's division, we do like an on the, on pre on the job training where workers mm-hmm. can come in and, and see what the job is like prior to being hired. How awesome could that be if we did that with foster parents, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested in fostering and, and so they connect me to a foster parent and I get exactly what your advice was, is I get a real look at what it could be mm-hmm. like for me yeah, to enter right. that. So I think that's, Really, really good advice. And mm-hmm. um, as your cousin, I think I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it and get through it. I think that's what mm-hmm. you said. And um, mm-hmm. Abby, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, you Thank you for your service and all you do. And uh, congratulations uh, on your three kiddos that right. are hopefully Yay. moving quicker towards adoption. Um <laughs> I feel like you get it. You understand what it's like to be a fostering parent and fostering that family. So again, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Abby. And mm-hmm. um, I may be calling you and see if you want to hit the road and, and come talk to other people with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Sounds okay. great. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. All right. Bye. Thank you. I liked Abby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was serious when I said that's the first one who said fostering you know, connect to the fostering and community. immerse yourself Love in it. the community, like she mm-hmm. said, to get a real, honest picture of what it's like to be a foster parent. Yeah, we should should think about that. Yeah, just like, like I'm thinking in my head right now, like we're gonna do something like this. We would this. have to like do like initial like background checks. Well, sure, but other than that, like just to do that, like they'd have like to sign on the job. Yeah, sign, sign some paperwork, sign releases, HIPAA. Yeah, but other than that. Great idea. Just like it's we like do. job shadowing. Yeah. Exactly. But you're, try you're foster parent shadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try it first. Or like she said, try a respite or emergency. And emergency is, we hope, the placement is 30 days or less. So just an emergency, 30 days or less, we hope less um, for the kiddos. So mm-hmm. that's the that's what emergency means. But yeah. I also think um, with the on-the-job, on the foster parenting, I think that'll also allow that individual who's shadowing 
really take a good look at what it could be like. And maybe it's not for them. And because there's lots of times people jump into wanting to be a foster parent and they realize, oh man, that's not for me. I can't do that. We could, we could kind of weed through that at the very beginning, hopefully. It could kind of, like Abby said, walk in their shoes. It could be called like walk a 24 hour time period in their shoes or something like that. Walk in the foster parent's shoes. Yeah. Um, Abby gave us some really good advice on this. So, um, really appreciated her talking to us. Um, I think she would also be a very good ambassador and mentor. Mm-hmm. And I'm so too. excited for her. I really yeah. truly hope like the adoption goes well, yeah. everything goes well for them. And it's just, it, it's good episode. Thank you, Abby. Um, yeah, it was for me, what really, I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge this, like, she really did get vulnerable with us. Um, she did. And, and she really, like, between the conversation about the holidays and and just mm-hmm. emotional about, you know, the kids that she's had to send back and unfortunately does not still have contact with, um, you know, I just, it was just a really real moment. And I'm, I'm so grateful that she was willing to share yeah. in that way. And, you know, she even talked about how that was, <laughs> She wasn't willing to do that. She was kind of avoided that she pain. Wasn't. And so it sounds like she's come a really long way with kind of dealing with it. But I I absolutely appreciate it, Abby. And um, those of you out here listening to the Call to Foster podcast, if you're interested in fostering, um, if Abby has spoke to your heart, um, please call 1-800-554-2222. You can also go to dss.mo.gov backslash cd. Or you can just pick up the phone and call any local children's division office and ask to talk to a licensing worker. We will we will get you connected, and um, we need more foster families. And if you have it in your heart, just pick up the phone. You can also find the Call the Foster podcast on Spotify, DSS Facebook, Apple, YouTube, Instagram, and potentially future platforms. Um, we hope that you like and subscribe and share, 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 share. Um, we need more families. So until next month, um, we will see you later. Adios. Bye. At the Department of Social Services, we are dedicated to inspiring more Missourians to help us provide quality, loving homes to the children in our care. Help us reach our future foster parents by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this podcast on your social media platforms. Thank you.